0: This is 680 CJOB. Welcome once again to The Main Ingredient. Like the man said, I'm Kevin Bergen. If you love beef-based meals like I do and you're looking for ways to reduce meat consumption, then I got something for you. Bump Beef and Plant Blend blends delicious Canadian beef with plant-based protein, which means a lower environmental footprint, 18% fewer calories, and 27% less fat than conventional lean ground beef. All this while still delivering 100% of the tender, juicy, real beef flavor that you know you love. James Battershill is the owner, and he's here to fill us in. How are you, James?
1: Great. Thanks for having me today.
0: No problem. Thanks for uh, coming, man. Uh, Let's talk about your... First, let's talk about you before we get into your product. Let's talk about how you got into the food industry or what what your background is.
1: Sounds good. I worked went through university uh in the university of manitoba um and did a degree in global political economy so about as far removed from the kitchen and food (laughs) processing as you could possibly be um but the connection to food and agriculture at that time came when I did a uh, final project actually on the global coffee economy and it allowed me to do a bit of a deep dive into the different tools uh, that have existed uh, to help elevate the livelihoods of coffee farmers around the world. Uh, once I graduated, that segued into a uh, 11-year career with Manitoba's largest farm advocacy organization called Keystone Agricultural Producers, um, which was a great opportunity to learn about agriculture learn about farming, and get an even more in-depth knowledge uh, about food. I hit the 10-year mark of my career at CAP uh, and realized that I still had this entrepreneurial bug that I hadn't scratched, uh, an entrepreneurial itch that I hadn't scratched that really uh, was something that was uh, important to me. And I knew that if I wanted to do something um really big um, and something that really sort of achieved the goals that i wanted in my career and in my personal life i'd have to strike out on my own so uh, june 2018 uh, i started working on an idea uh, for a product that eventually became bump beef and plant blend um, worked independently while still working in my full-time job uh, for uh, about six months uh, and then in january 2019 left my job at cap and have been focusing on this ever since
0: did you have an entrepreneurial um, spirit before you started that? Have you ever thought about owning your own business?
1: Not really. Surprisingly, really? I love I love listening now to entrepreneurial podcasts and radio programs, YouTube videos, everything that I can consume about entrepreneurship. I do, uh, and it always surprises me a little bit that every founder of the company that's featured on those shows uh, always indicates oh, they were the kid that had the lemonade stand growing Sorry. up, were hustling and and mowing lawns. And I'd always worked and I'd always had jobs and I'd always done a little bit, of, you know, growing up, cut the grass, I'd always had jobs throughout school. Um, But I never really uh, envisioned myself as an entrepreneur. I still remember going to uh, the University of Manitoba when they hoped held open houses uh, for grade 12 students and going to one of the presentations at the Asper School of Business Uh, and it was on entrepreneurship and there was a a facilitator there that asked that question does anyone here want to own their own business and I distinctively remember thinking no that's not for me that's I'm not going to raise my hand to that question Uh, but as I worked uh, for others and and worked in the agriculture sector uh, what I kept seeing and what really kept pushing me um, was this idea that I needed to work on something that was big and that was something uh, that was important to me uh, to really sort of make the world a better place and have my mark in the world. And the only way that I could see doing that uh, was by striking out on my own, building a team to help support me uh, that shared that same vision uh, for trying to really do something grand.
0: Did you have other products in mind before this one came about or you did some research and it came to this?
1: So the what I had learned during my time working in agriculture and working with farmers was that cha- there were changes that were happening to consumer attitudes towards food and farming uh, without question. Uh, it was really the core of what we were doing as an organization was working with the public and working with government and trying to navigate these new waters about public awareness around how food is produced what is the impact on my personal health of the way that it's produced, either at the farm level or through processing? What is the environmental impact of the way that it's produced? How are animals treated? How are workers treated? Uh, consumers are becoming more and more aware of what uh, the process was for food to get from the field to their plate. Um, and as, as
0: compared to when? Like we're talking like t- 10 years ago, 20 years ago?
1: I think really when you look sort of during the post-Second World War era when convenience food started becoming more the sort of emergence of fast food uh, drive throughs um, the TV dinner microwaves where really the focus was on how do we make food more convenient and more accessible to people, uh, especially realizing that uh, sort of the the work in the home uh, was no longer being managed by a single person. Um, so what we'd seen was the core focus was solely on convenience and price. Um, and now I think we've seen a pretty dramatic shift. And it hasn't been overnight. It's certainly been over a couple of decades. But in a return to a desire to know more about the way that the food is produced, maybe take more time uh, to recognize the impact of the way that food is produced uh, and to really care about food more at the end of the day.
0: Before you started your job, your career, how long were you at Keystone? Uh, 11 years before you started that did you have uh were you aware of how food was produced and how it was made and how it got from you know from the farm to your table and what could happen to it in between that time
1: i would say no i didn't have i was an outlier uh of the people that worked in the agriculture system and specifically at uh, keystone uh in that i had no agricultural background i'm you know the only connection that i had to a farm was sort of a a third cousin twice removed sort of situation um I maybe worked, you know, a couple of those uh, Burger King and and Pizza Hut style jobs uh, throughout school, and, and knew a little bit about how the restaurant industry uh, worked. Well, school is um, all about. Fast food. Yeah, exactly. Right, I'm it, studying, and
0: I mean, want something fast, and that's it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, but really, the the in depth work and sort of where it started to dawn on me that there was a much more complicated system behind how food gets to us to the end consumer uh, was when I was doing that research project on the global coffee economy, and you realize just how intricate um, and complicated our global food system is uh, when you're talking about you know, the, the impact that the Cold War had on global coffee exports and how that shifted after the fall of the Berlin Wall. Um, there were all sorts of things that came out of those that research studies that really opened my eyes and said, this is a complicated system and it's worth learning more about and it's worth sharing more information about.
0: The thing I find really interesting is that, again, you're a guy that had nothing to do with that, no interest in... Owning your own business, no knowledge of you know the farming uh, industry or the food industry, and you go into it and and it pulls you in. There's a lot to learn. That's super interesting. Absolutely. Um, so okay. So how did you hone in on this product? Why beef?
1: So what I was learning and realizing uh, while I was finishing up my time uh, working in agriculture was that there was this dramatic change in public opinion and perspective around products like beef uh, and all animal uh, agricultural products at the end of the day. Um, What we were dealing with was consumers starting to look harder at our current consumption systems. Um, and the sort of the types of foods that we eat and the way that they're produced, and recognizing the impact on personal health uh, and also the environmental footprint of those products. At that same time, we were starting to realize that this niche group of consumers uh, that had said, no, we don't want to have uh, animal products as a part of our diet, vegans and vegetarians, they'd sort of stood alone for a really long time uh, and typically made up between. Three and seven percent of the total population, depending on whose numbers you look at, that's changed th- quite a bit, hasn't it? Well, no, not actually. Not really? Surprisingly enough, the the number of people that self-identify as either vegans or vegetarians has stayed fairly consistent. But what has changed dramatically is that those groups are no longer standing alone; they're really starting to encroach into your uh, your general consumer and starting to influence them. Uh, And rather than saying, you should be like us, you should cut out animal agriculture and and animal food products entirely. Um, They're now communicating saying, hey, are you concerned about your health? Are you concerned about the health of the planet? You can do your part by reducing a little bit. And that's where there's been this emergence over a short period of time of this large group of consumers that we call flexitarians, people that are looking to reduce the amount of meat in their diet, but not cut it out entirely.
0: That would be me. I could never. Yes, I think a reduction in meat would be a good thing for sure, especially for me. I don't ever think I could give it up. I wouldn't even try to give it up because I like it so much. All right. All right you know, we're going to take a little break and then we're going to come back. You are very interesting. This whole thing is very interesting because it's, it's new news to me. I'm around food all the time, but it's nice to hear an actual side that I know nothing about. Okay. So we're going to come back with uh, James Batters Hill, um, the creator, creator or owner of, uh, It's called
1: Bump Beef and Plant Blend.
0: We're going to talk about that on the other side, on the main ingredient on 680 CJOB. Hey everybody, welcome back to the second segment of The Main Ingredients. Kevin Bergen here. I'm sitting here with James Batters Hill, the owner of uh, Bump Beef and Plant Blend. Um, We were talking about vegetarians, vegans, all sorts of things in the the first part of The Main Ingredient. Let's talk about um, the advantages to reducing beef in your diet. I love beef, could never give it up. But a reduction wouldn't be a bad thing so let's talk about some of the
1: advantages so when people that self-identify again as that flexitarian term the people who want to reduce the amount of meat in their diets uh, but not cut it out entirely and, people and, like you and that's
0: what a flexitarian is that's, that's a definition what
1: a, absolutely that's what a flexitarian is you're you're in that in that uh in that niche and what that title would apply to you certainly
0: am i still if i want to but i'm not it's i have to be taking steps to reduce not You know, hey, maybe I'm going to cut out that burger this Friday, but still carry on.
1: So interestingly enough, when we look at the survey data around flexitarians, the number of people that actually claim that term and and sort of take it on as a part of their personal identity because it describes their consumption patterns, it's a very small number of people, less than 10%. uh, But when you ask the question, are you interested in reducing the amount of meat in your diet or are you already taking steps to reduce the amount of meat in your diet? That number jumps up to 40 to 60%. It's an enormous segment of the population. So uh, I would say you would fall into that class even if you're just a conscious consumer and you're aware that this is something that you should potentially be considering. When you ask people that, what's the number one reason that they say they want to reduce? Uh, Number one reason by far across demographics is personal health. Uh, There's a fairly uh, well-accepted... It's a fairly well-accepted truth that... um, the overconsumption of various types of meat uh, can lead to health problems. Uh, That's something that has been uh, demonstrated time and time again, its connection to obesity, uh, the increase in consumption in meat in uh, groups and the associated increase in cardiovascular disease. Um, I think that we try not to uh, provide dietary advice. I don't think that that's the place of a food company. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we do certainly respond to that shift uh, in uh, consumers preference, and the message that's being communicated to Canadians, whether it's through the new Canada food guide, or through dietitians themselves, uh, that's for people that uh, want to make uh, a healthful change in their diet, one of the easiest things to look at is the reduction in the total amount of meat that you're eating.
0: Was that one of
1: the, th- one of the things that you wanted to do personally that led you to this? Uh, Absolutely. I've always been someone that's been uh, fairly health conscious. And I think that for me, it was not only looking at myself, but it was looking at uh, my broader group of friends uh, where you saw meat consumption for a long time. Uh, especially amongst guys as being something that's very masculine and totally. it's, it's a big part of your identity. You're a guy that eats burgers and loves, giant, loves you know doing giant steaks and yeah. those things. But I was seeing in my group of friends that, you know, as we approach that sort of early 30s time in our lives and, you know, the bodies don't respond <laughs> to uh, inputs in the exact same way. Uh, that there are certainly some negative health outcomes and sort of the the things come to roost a little bit and those health challenges uh, become a little bit more real for you. So uh, recognizing that this is a challenge that a lot of people my age and in a lot in my group of friends, um, it's definitely something that we took uh, into account when we um, made this decision and designed this product. Um, Surprisingly enough, one area and one group of consumers that I maybe didn't necessarily think about it first, uh, but became very, very clear that personal health uh, and connecting that with meat consumption was going to be uh, a big area of interest for was the baby boomers, people that are my parents' generation. Mm-hmm. Um, I was surprised with the number of people that I talked about this idea to. They say, oh, my my dad would love that. Oh, grandpa would love that. His doctor is telling him he needs to cut, out, cut down the amount of red meat in his diet, but I can't convince him for the life of me to learn how to cook a chickpea curry. So I got to find other ways to right. let him it's, enjoy. It's a win-win, right? Exactly. It'll, it, I've got to find other ways for him to be able to cook and enjoy the things that he likes, but cut back on some of that fat that is potentially causing some health issues for him.
0: All right. So let's talk about the product itself. Let's talk about um, how is it made? What is it made of? It's plant-based protein. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about exactly what that means.
1: So 70% of the product is Western Canadian beef, uh, it's really the foundation for uh, what it is that we're producing here. Um, This is where we're unique and distinct from maybe some of the other products that are also pitching and marketing towards these flexitarian consumers that are entirely plant-based and would qualify as a vegetarian product as well. Uh, We recognize that the flexitarians don't want to cut meat out of their diet entirely, but want to reduce so we thought to ourselves, well, if these folks just want to reduce the amount of meat, why don't we give them a product that just has less meat in it? So mm-hmm. we take 70% ordinary ground beef sourced from Western Canada, and we combine it with plant protein. And our plant protein is uh, uh, comes from peas grown primarily in the Canadian prairies. Um, and then what the way that they're processed is that they're ground down. Um, the protein is isolated through a filtering process. Uh, they're put under uh, pressure and then extruded out and chopped. Um, so it's essentially the way that I try and describe it to people because it's a bit of an industrial process. And it's because yeah, um, what you just said, I'm like, I have no idea what. So that think means. think think about a pressure cooker with a pasta machine stuck on the end. Oh, OK, because at the end of the day, that's the process that we're going through is that we're just putting the protein under high heat and pressure and then. Uh, changing that pressure dramatically, which causes the proteins to expand and create little air pockets so that it's able to absorb moisture and get the general texture and taste of, uh, of um, animal protein.
0: How'd you come up with that?
1: Uh, texture textured vegetable protein is not my invention uh, in any way, shape, or. Form. <laughs> or how did you choose that? Yeah, why, why was that the
0: avenue you went?
1: So, so textured vegetable protein, which is um, can be made of a variety of different types of vegetable protein, and it's been very commonly produced using soy protein for a long, long time. It's been a dietary staple for vegetarians and vegans for decades now. Um, the change was that the technology got better to produce it in a way that mimicked the texture of meat. Uh, more closely mimic the texture of meat Um, and it was able to be done with ingredients that maybe um, had a better smell flavor um, taste and texture uh, compared to uh, a soy based product so that was the big change Uh, we work with uh, companies to source that and they produce it for us Uh, and the process that we're involved in is combining it with that western canadian beef uh, grinding it and uh processing it in vacuum packaging and shipping it to consumers.
0: Right. If you're blending something, it can't be something that is completely different than it. Then it's just like you mixed it with something that's terrible. Yeah. Right. It's got to be, it's got to be as close to what you're as close to the meat as humanly possible.
1: And that's what we aimed for. And part of our product development work was done with uh, the culinary research and innovation program at Red River College. And that was the very first step that they suggested to us. They said, you know what, there's a bunch of these different plant-based uh, protein ingredients that are available on the market. Let's just start by assessing all of them that we can get our hands on. Let's figure out which ones smell the best, which ones taste the best, which ones look the best, which ones have the best color, which ones combine um, with uh, conventional animal protein in the most effective way. Let's figure out that as the very first step so that we know we're picking the best possible ingredient and then work on creating the final end product.
0: For sure, because it's not going to succeed. At the end of the day, to the meat eater, I'm a meat eater. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And a meat eater is not going to stop eating meat because you know, the only reason they're going to stop eating meat is because they have to. They're not going to stop it. If If you could eat meat every day and be healthy, I'd eat meat every single day, morning, noon, and night, mm-hmm. breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And its simplest, it has to be the same. It's got, it has got to taste the same. It's
1: got to taste good. That's yes. I think that's the key difference here is that it's one of these areas where I think that for a long, long time – Uh, There have been many, many products out on the market that tried really hard and failed quite badly to satisfy what meat eaters are looking for. Uh, And the approach that we've taken, I think, does an exceptional job. We always get positive feedback from anyone who's trying Bump for the first time saying, I didn't notice a difference. Hey, actually, we noticed a small difference, but it's because this held on to moisture in the meatloaf that we made a little bit better than when I was normally making it with lean or extra lean. Uh, So we're really seeing positive feedback from consumers and we're really excited about that. And it just tells us that we sort of started from the right place with the blend ratio that we were looking at.
0: Okay, we're going to take another little break and I'm going to do like a rapid fire of your FAQs and tons of questions that people ask. And you've done a good job in answering them on your site. So we're going to get it out there on the radio, okay? Sounds great. All right, James Batters Hill. Batters Hill. You didn't correct me, so I'm, I'm assuming <laughs> I must be right. Um, a Bump Beef and Plant Blend. And I'm going to ask you about the name Bump. Sounds good. Um, we're going to do that when we come back here on The Main Ingredient on 680 CJOB. Everybody, welcome back to The Main Ingredient. Kevin Bergen here with James Batters Hill, the creator of Bump Beef and Plant Blend. Bump. What's with the name?
1: Uh, so, product naming is not an easy process. Something that we learned. For sure. Uh, what we had done is that we actually came up with a name for the product, and then the first thing that we did is we taught, looked into copyrighting, or sorry, trademarking it. Uh, and our lawyers' first response was, "There's no chance that you're going to be able to get a trademark on this. It's competing in the same general space with another company that does something else that's sort of vaguely, vaguely related to food. So you better give up on this. Um, you're going to." invest a bunch of money in creating a brand uh, and it's going to fall flat. Nice to to have someone tell you that from the start. Very nice to have somebody tell you that from the start. Uh, But the challenge was is that we wanted to come up with something uh, that wasn't, that didn't fall into a lot of the same tropes that a lot of uh, food products do these days. A lot of them will sort of get this, you know, nice farm um, imagery and language um, that sort of invokes this idea of, you know, what farming potentially looked like in the nineteen sixties or in the nineteen thirties and try and woo consumers that way. And that was something I'm very opposed to. I'm very pro talking about the way that food is produced today and being honest and upfront with consumers. about how uh, food is uh, produced Um, so we wanted to make sure that we avoided that but we also needed a name that was catchy and sort of described the product and what it was Uh, so we went through a bunch of iterations with the marketing agency that we worked with and we just weren't finding anything that we particularly liked Um, and at the time interestingly enough uh, my wife was pregnant uh, with our first son George and she was talking about uh, one of the um, breastfeeding seminars that she had attended uh, and she was explaining how early on after George is born, um, he'll be uh, eating and it will be giving his immune system a bump uh, because he's able to be uh, um, consuming uh, breast milk. So um, that was something that immediately resonated with us. We're like bump. Like that's interesting. It's like a little elevation uh, the way that we typically describe. Hang it typically- on.
0: So she's talking about breast milk and you're talking about <laughs> business. <laughs> Yeah. So what do you think? uh, Hang on, baby. Just wait. I got I got I got to call somebody.
1: (laughs) I think that when I think that most new parents can probably everything in your life becomes about, you know, your your partner's first pregnancy and, and, you know, about your growing family. So it's it's difficult that for that not to sort of take over uh, every element of your life. So that that was sort of the origin. The way that we describe it to people uh, is very much it's like showing up at the airport and finding out that you've been bumped up to first class. Mm. The destination is staying the same but the experience getting there is going to be better. Gotcha. That's a good name. I like that. That's very good. I wondered where, you know, where is he going to go with this?
0: What does (laughs) this mean?
1: I thought it was an acronym for
0: something. No, no, no.
1: but interestingly enough, so one challenge, so it's a little bit, and you've been, I think, uh, working through this on the, the show today, Bump Beef and plant blend doesn't necessarily roll off the tongue. Mm -hmm. Uh, And the challenge that we faced in naming the product and the reason that that beef and plant blend is there a little bit awkwardly is that um, this is such a new product. And it's really a new product category is that um, the Canadian Food Inspection Agency doesn't have a prescribed way to describe a product like this. So when we were talking to them, making sure that we wanted to be transparent with consumers, we were giving them all of the information as as much as possible. Respecting them, because consumers are a lot smarter than people think they are. We're not going to dupe anybody. Exactly. The advice that we got from the CFIA was simply like, just tell us what it is. Beef and plant blend, perfect. Mm -hmm. Just put that on there. Don't try and uh, use anything that's fancier for the sake of uh, getting a slightly better term because at the end of the day, it's all about making sure that consumers are are accurately informed as to what they're getting. Well, all right.
0: where do you guys make it? Where is it produced?
1: So we source our ingredients uh, from Western Canada. Um, our beef is exclusively coming out of Manitoba, Saskatchewan and Alberta. Uh, our plant protein, uh, the peas are grown primarily in uh, the Canadian prairies, a little bit coming out of North Dakota, depending on the year. Uh, and we actually process in a co-packing facility. Uh, so that's a contract food manufacturer uh, based out of Calgary, Alberta.
0: Was it important for you to get mostly Canadian products, have it kind of stay at home?
1: Oh, very important. I think that one thing Thing that we learned in my past life is that consumers very much value the Canadian brand and they trust Canadian food producers, both farmers at the primary production level, but also the processing company. So, yeah, it was something that was very important for us to make sure that we were as Canadian as possible.
0: You brought me a sample of the meat and plant blend and it's vacuum packed.
1: Yep. Why is that? So, we vacuum pack in part because of shelf life. Uh, you're able to get uh, out of a vacuum packaged. Uh, 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 package of meat uh, you're able to get about 14 days of shelf life whereas that tray overwrap, wrap uh, you know the cellophane over the styrofoam two days it's
0: leaking in your to, fridge
1: exactly and that's and it's and it's spoiling because you're getting oxygen that's getting access to the meat and causing all sorts of problems uh, so shelf life and reducing food waste was a primary uh, driver for that but it also dramatically reduces the amount of plastic way less like it's it's less than a third to use a vacuum package versus that styrofoam plate and tray overwrap. wrap so Uh, that was something that we looked at our operations and said, hey, you know, we are marketing towards an environmentally conscious consumer. We want to be making sure that we're respecting that uh, and doing our part to reduce the environmental impact of our operations in every way possible. So let's do that by choosing the packaging that's going to give us the best possible uh, environmental footprint. Hmm. Okay, so what
0: portion sizes can people buy it in?
1: So we exclusively produce right now in a one pound or 454 gram package. Uh, it drives me absolutely up the wall when you see portioned out uh, meats in sort of just a little bit below a pound or a little bit above a pound. Because the vast, vast majority of recipes that you're going to find online. Are exact. Call for a pound. Yeah. And one of the things that I learned very, very clearly from our research team and the research chefs that they have there is, um, follow the instructions. They are designed in a way to optimize the final dish. And if you're messing with things a little bit here and there and not really knowing and understanding the impact, if you use a little bit too much meat or not enough, and you don't adjust other ingredients, it's not going to turn out the way that it should. So we said, you know what, forget it. We're not going to do one of those silly like 330 grams to try and, you know, cut down on ingredient cost and make our pricing sort of manipulative better on the shelf. Like it's a pound. Your recipe calls for pound. That's what you're getting.
0: Okay, so I'm assuming at some point you guys are going to be making other products. Do you have other products now?
1: Uh, We've got other products in development right now. Our team has worked on... Uh, Really, really delicious Italian sausage blends, which we're really excited about and will hopefully be launching for this fall. Mm -hmm. Uh, Again, with sort of the the core uh, design characteristics that we had for the beef and plant blend, uh, a reduction in calories and a reduction in fat compared to sort of the mainstream products that are on the market right now. But those things without sacrificing that great flavor that you get using an Italian sausage in a, you know, a spaghetti sauce or in a lasagna. So we're really excited about that. Uh, And then we've got some other innovative products uh, that we're working on that are going to be uh, hopefully featured in the near future um, as soon as we uh, sort of get the the branding and the packaging uh, sorted out.
0: Most importantly, where can people purchase it?
1: So right now we are sold at the... Co-op stores in the city of Winnipeg and then a few outside in the immediate vicinity. Uh, Vita Health was the first store to carry us uh, all six locations in Winnipeg. They've been a great supporter of ours right from the beginning. Perfect. Um, Country Roots Market on Henderson Highway is carrying us. And we're in discussions with a number of other markets and smaller grocery stores uh, to get us on the shelves uh, throughout the summer so uh, we can make it there for barbecue season for you. What has the feedback been? really really good so far uh, really consistent we launched at a really awkward time uh, our first day uh, in co-op or in uh, Vita health stores uh, probably aligned with sort of the the peak toilet paper dip buying day uh, oh, throughout yeah. the pandemic <laughs> I don't even understand that yeah people I don't even get it. yeah people you know we, we launched in March of 2020 uh, which is not an optimal time to right. launch a new food product um, you know people are concerned and they're scared and they're looking for familiarity. Um, And despite that, despite the fact that we're something that's really, really a new product on the shelves and a new brand, um, people embraced it. We've seen very, very consistent uh, orders from all of our uh, retail partners at this point. uh, And we're really excited about when we start doing some marketing with those retailers um, that we're going to be able to make people more aware uh, and that we'll see those sales increase.
0: My mom is cooking some as we speak um you know obviously we, we've talked and we're yep. gonna make a jamaican patty yeah i'm for, excited me too I'm, she's like i said i'm going home and it's they're going to be done um hopefully they're going to be done uh one thing of course she's she's cooking ground beef all the time right away she was like i didn't have to drain this there's like almost no fat to it like there's n- no greasy
1: fat it's kind of nice right yep yep so that is that is I've been so impressed with the product and how it's performed uh, in a variety of recipes. Um, And that is really one of the key things is that we intentionally cut back, obviously, the amount of fat. We wanted to uh, recognize that there are those consumers, again, that from a personal health reason, they want to cut back on the total amount of fat in their diet. So we kept it super lean. But the way that the, interestingly enough, what we discovered almost by accident uh, was that the way that the animal and the plant proteins interact Um, throughout the cooking is that it actually holds on to moisture better so the fact is that it's a very lean product but it actually results in some juicier dishes compared to when you're even cooking with a lean or an extra lean ground beef
0: which is strange because you think that you didn't drain it so you're thinking it's going to be dry but it's the exact
1: opposite right exactly exactly it's just the magic of the way that the two types of protein interact perfect
0: okay so let's remind people where they can purchase it if they how they get a hold of you if they have any questions
1: you can purchase online you guys deliver so in delivery was a bit of a response to the pandemic we had a number of people again in that march timeline that were coming back from holidays or they were you know down in phoenix at the at the snowbirds and they were coming back and they were being forced to quarantine for 14 days and, and, and sometimes I, you got to give the people what they want yeah exactly and they were saying like them. James we we really want to try <laughs> this we're excited about this but we literally can't leave our houses and you're not going to go no sorry yeah so we set up we set up home delivery if people go to eatbump.com, we are still doing home delivery, absolutely. Uh, but the focus is really on getting people to, to pick it up at their local grocery store. So it's the co-ops in the city, uh, the Vita Healths in Winnipeg Country Roots Market on Henderson Highway. Uh, and you'll see us around the city. We're going to pop up at some events and some markets uh, doing uh, sort of selling uh, packages of Bump, but also selling some of the samples um, of dishes that do a really great job of showcasing just how delicious and versatile it can be. Perfect.
0: How about your website and social media? Let's give that out.
1: You bet. Uh, so it's eatbump.com for both. Uh, we're on Instagram, Facebook and uh, and www.eatbump.com. Uh, lots more information there. We're posting some of the recipes that we've developed in partnership with uh, Red River College uh, culinary arts students there. Uh, we really encourage people to check them out and try them because they're absolutely amazing.
0: Awesome. Thanks for coming, man. I appreciate it.
1: No, I really appreciate being here. Thank you. No
0: problem. Coming up, my daughter Hunter and I went to Fusion Experience Desserts and Cafe at 272 Main Street last week. So I'm going to preview a bit of that interview right here on The Main Ingredient after a break. Hey, everyone. Welcome to The Main Ingredient. Kevin Bergen here. I am on location. I am at Fusion Experience Desserts and Cafe. I am with Hunter Bergen. Hunter Bergen, welcome.
1: Hello. Hello 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 i had to
0: drag her along to eat dessert dessert for breakfast you, you just got out of bed didn't you
1: yeah like an hour
2: ago
0: and it's like one o'clock
1: you say that like i wasn't willing to come here
2: yeah <laughs> like <laughs> i i like i didn't hear desserts oh you know and then it was like i'm on my way <laughs> i'm on my way
0: <laughs> you're, you're you says
1: desserts i'm like i'm awake i'm awakened <laughs> i'm awake
0: i know 12 o'clock i didn't know if she was getting up isn't that sad <laughs> the life of a teenager
1: I have time to sleep, therefore
0: I will. Thank you very much. All righty then. We are here with Lisa. Lisa, how do you pronounce your last name? Tang. Lisa Tang, the owner of Fusion Experience Desserts and Cafe. How are you, man? I'm
2: good. How are you?
0: I'm good. Welcome back to the show. You're a main ingredient and veteran. This is your third time. Yeah. We did once at your shop Fusion Experience on Academy, mm-hmm. we did once at the Forks, and now we're here on Main Street. What's the exact address? 272 Main Street. Alright, so let's give people a little background on your restaurant history.
2: The restaurant itself, we've been in the hospitality business for over 20 years. We started on Broadway, but the name was Infusion Experience. It was Asahi back then. And then Infusion Experience actually started up in 2015. And so now it's expanded to you know, three different locations and I would say I guess three different types of cuisine. Cuisine, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Um, but we no longer have the Academy location. Uh it was getting too small, our lease was up, so we decided to let that go. We're still in the process of looking for a bigger location. Uh but with COVID happening right now, we're still ta- we're just taking our time. If it happens, it happens. We're not in a rush. Uh but we're you know we have we're working with a shindigo um and they're looking for they're always looking for our spaces for us uh right now we're happy with being at the forks which is a kiosk we brought the academy menu down to the forks so it's not just you know it's not typical fast food um and then i branched off and I'm now doing my own thing, no longer with I mean I'm with my husband. <laughs> You're not physically I'm not with him today. Longer, yeah,
0: <laughs> I'm but, no um... longer with him right now.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, don't let him hear, hear that. Uh no. Uh so I decided to open up a desserts and cafe.
0: Okay, I um you know I love your food. I think you guys are the best. I'm just wondering how you can open another place with how busy you guys are. Like Hunter was with me the last time. Mm-hmm. at the at uh, fusion experience or like and we ate everything you guys yeah. like through um, like we crawled out of there I so full but <laughs> and I know why you guys moved or closed it cuz it was busy the the shop just was, it was too small for how many people wanted to get in there 100% right. but you guys have kids you guys are busy and you open up another place like I'm happy you did but how do you do it
2: um well I, you know it's it's kind of like a passion that I've always enjoyed doing since I was young I loved baking it never occurred to me that i'd open a bakery or anything like that it was just a hobby to start out um but you know as i mentioned to chris and we talked about it before we opened here it actually took me like over 20 years to decide to open up a desserts cafe um and so this it- has
0: been in the back of your mind for a while
2: well it actually just started like maybe a few years ago um because uh during the, um, you know, the restaurant time, I was working, you know, at RBC and then I'd go to the restaurant and then I'd come home and bake.
0: Which which, which, uh, which place were you working at RBC? The first one? Yeah. Like when you guys opened your first no, restaurant? No, no.
2: So the one on Academy. Oh,
0: you were working at RBC? I was
2: working at RBC as, at the same time. Wow. So, yeah, and baking. So it started out with me baking for, you know, family events and friends, and then got to the point where people started asking, um, my friends where they ordered the cake and stuff from. And it just hit off from there. And then, uh, I did it, you know, outside of, well, when we closed fusion experience on Academy, like our closing hours, I would bake from there because during the working hours, I can't bake. Our kitchen was too small. Right. And, uh, People would order and then it just got to the point where it was just too busy for me for me to work at RBC, run to the restaurant and then bake. Um, So, you know, we finally decided, you know, it's time that I open.
0: What was Um, that like quitting that job and then going into...
2: It was hard. Uh, It was a
0: solid income, right?
2: Yeah, I enjoyed working uh, there. You know, all my managers and everything were really nice. But um, my manager was also supportive of what I was going to do because they've had my baking. I oh, so like, hey, yeah, we can order more of this. This is <laughs> yeah, great. Yeah, yeah. So I, I bring it to meetings and stuff like that. So they've had it and, you know, um, they thought it was a good idea. So
0: Okay, so how did you find this place? What made you land on this place? And who did the decorating for it? It's funky and cool. Uh,
2: thank you. Uh, well, actually, this place um, was, again, um, originally I wasn't going to open on this location, Um, my main one was going to be down in Chinatown, but then, you know, things didn't work out. And then my agent at Shindako actually had, um, showed us this location and we, we liked it right away and we put in an offer and it just took like maybe less than two months for all the paperwork to be done. Wow. Yeah.
0: And the interior who, who, who did it up? My husband. He did it all.
2: Yes. So how, he, how does he have time to do that? He would do it between um, the forks hours. So you guys are crazy. He'd run back and forth. When he finished at the forks, he'd run here and then work on it for a few hours. And then go go back home. And then it's the same the next day. So he, he started working on it like, you know, um, I think it took him about two or three months to complete. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. I think
0: you guys are addicted to work. You have no idea how to slow down, right?
2: Well, you know, like, it's it just so, I mean, he's renovated our house. We've Let's actually invite hired invite him over, Eugene Hunter. Let's invite yeah. him over. Finish those bits that you haven't <laughs> finished yet. Dad, it's been years. It's been years. Please finish our house.
0: I wish I, wish I didn't bring her. Yeah. <laughs> anyway.
2: <laughs> no, um, we hired contractors to give us quotes and stuff, and it, you know, it just didn't work out. It was, like, really, oh, super expensive, expensive yeah, and crazy. it wasn't the way I wanted it um and it for me it's hard to explain how i want things and chris he kind of knows my taste and so i just let him you know go uh and do what he wanted needed to do and then i just did all the buying of tables and chairs and all the material things
0: that was lisa tang owner of fusion experience desserts and cafe which my daughter hunter and i went to last week so i'll have the rest of the interview for you next week here on the main ingredient on 680 cjob This is 680 CJOB.